नमस्ते सो टुडे वी रीड ए वंडरफुल प्रेयर जनवरी थर्ड 1914 एंड एज ऑलवेज द मदर आई मीन दीज प्रेयर्स आर रियली रिमार्केबल गाइडेंस द अवेकन लव द ओपिनस टू इल्यूमिनेशन ट्रू अंडरस्टैंडिंग सो वेरी ऑफन वी सी दैट पीपल प्लंज इन टू रीडिंग बुक्स ऑफ स्पिरिचुअलिटी बिकॉज दे हैव सम इंटरेस्ट and reading books of spirituality they start believing that they know and uh, if they are put on pedestal then it's worse <laughs> then they actually start deluding themselves that they know you'll see people who have read the gita many times read savitri number of times and this illusion comes in but the first condition of knowledge is humility and the last condition of knowledge is humility first condition is humility when we know that all that we have known and all that the mind can discover know understand is nothing compared to what needs to be known and this knowledge cannot come by mental effort this is the first thing to know why because shubindu describes these higher states of consciousness they are not unconscious planes that you can know it's not like reading chemistry book and physics and grasping that knowledge there are conscious beings and forces they'll give you the knowledge if they think the condition is right otherwise we'll play thinking that we have the knowledge we'll have opinions view points nice systems we may make write books very nicely 1 2 3 4 but it's not knowledge so humility is first condition of knowledge so how come it becomes the last condition because the more we know the ambler we become because we discover that knowledge is infinite and there is no end to knowledge that's why the word vedanta has a certain paradoxical element in it vedanta means end of knowledge what is the end of knowledge it is infinity so when it is said that vedas are not a book which have been written to be finished it is in this sense that if you say it is a book which has been written and finished no further fresh revelations then we are becoming like many of the religions which believe that revelation has exhausted itself in one book or four books but if we understand that the vedas give us the fundamental truths but based on that there will be infinite revelations for times to come then we understand it correctly it gives us the bedrock that there is one divine you can approach in many ways these are fundamental bedrocks you cannot know him by the mind all this that there are the three gunas in which you know there is even in upanishad you will see there is talk about the lower knowledge and the higher knowledge you know what is the lower knowledge lower knowledge they consider the three vedas they <laughs> read the <laughs> mandukya upanishad it says that the subject of the vedas is the uh, the subject of lower knowledge is the three vedas why it is saying so it is when we approach it as a scripture by the mind as a pandit so what is higher knowledge it is brahman which you can realize you can't so the first thing for us is to understand that whatever books we may read understand which is good one must some people take this other approach oh then there is no need to read anything no that's not what is meant 
how much ever we may read all the scriptures in the world not only in this chatur yuga but in all the yugas still knowledge will elude us it is it can even sometimes we start making concepts and frameworks so the mother is reminding us and one of the best one of the ways she is describing us is when we look back upon life sincerely very often when we don't look back we think you know we are somebody special then we see that how really when we take the trail we realize that really speaking it is not we but something else somebody else which has supported us in our journey and each one of us this is an experience which is universal all of us sometimes have you know life again she speaks about life we have say been saved from dangers imminent threats leave aside everything even if we don't know which is the most dangerous moment in the life of any creature human beings you know it is birth have you thought about it growing in the womb you can't do anything you can't say anything you can't even say i am feeling stifled and then when you are born nobody knows what's going to happen <laughs> even whether you'll breathe or not breathe you'll come out or not come out look at the enormity of the problem baby about 2 and 1/2 kgs isn't it big enough uterus has accommodated but the baby has to come out through a small passage can you imagine ever trying such a trick in life and nature performs it with such a brilliance then as we grow we think today my strength my intelligence where did this intelligence and strength and everything come from one way to analyze and understand it is that okay heredity nature all right but it's not yours no it is given to us and another way to look at it is come as a gift of god it depends but in any case this idea that this is mine it belongs to me i am the possessor of it is false and it doesn't require any spiritual understanding it's sheer basic intelligence and common sense so it has come to me today and also if we follow the curve of life what happens toward the end maybe a very brilliant man and nature may one day decide okay fine <laughs> so you have dementia all the capacities begin to because it's nature which gifted you behind nature there is the divine this is the only difference between let's say science and spirituality if you want to go to the fundamental science is nature everything you can explain on the basis of nature and spirituality says that behind nature there is the lord of nature it's a small little difference but a huge in in its practical implication that's why shobindo speaks of psychic being as a supernumerary on earth stage and it's a you know just when you reflect upon it that there is behind all this nature there is the divine presence something which can be extraordinarily powerful i remember as a child must be 8 or 9 years old in all this contemplation so my mama ji used to do a lot of ramayan and all these things so one day and i used to argue a lot it's all nature so parents thought mama ji is the right person he can answer him so he said yes 
tell me. So I said, I explained to him everything on the basis of nature. He smiled and said, yes, beta, prakriti hai, but prakriti ke piche uske swami khade hai. Yes, there is nature, but there is the lord of nature standing behind it. Actually, till date, I remember that there was no answer to that statement. Why? I didn't argue that. I could have argued, but I don't know. Nobody has seen. But it was like a revelation to me. Yes, where did nature come from? It came from the Lord. That is how Isha Upanishad starts. Isha Vasyamidam Sarva. Yat kinche jagatyam jagat. Today itself I was some, you know, WhatsApp message, live in the moment, everything will flow away, all these things. So somebody sent a message, life is like a river, it is ever changing. So flow with it. So I said, this is half truth. The river flows on the river bed. Hold to the river bed, not to the ever changing river. If you hold to the river bed, through all the changes, you will remain stable. And if you flow with the river, there is every chance, it depends. The river may take you to uh, whatever, Akash Ganga or it may take you fall in the abyss. Hold to the river bed. And that's the difference. So behind the movement of nature, there is God, the divine presence. So if you really look at everything that we have, it has come from the divine. Everything that we call as ourselves. So what is given to us, what we do with it is partially given to us. We may destroy through misuse, through wrong use. If you go read it to Ayurveda, it's very interesting. It says, why do human beings suffer from diseases? And Ayurveda gives a very profound principle. It says, through wrong use, through misuse. And even up to the level of organs, one can say, wrong use of an organ, each organ is a symbolic representation. Wrong use of an organ, misuse of an organ, you are opening it to all kinds of problems. If still one doesn't fall ill, it's some grace, super grace. On the other hand, if you rightly use it, then it increases. That's what the Vedic Yoga, calling the Ribhus. Who are Ribhus? They were mortals who became immortal. So they are artisans of immortality. So what do they do? They build the chariot. Tvastri, Ribhus, they build the chariot. What is the chariot? The body. Some of them course through your nerves. They make your nerves... Notice, no, that some moments nerves are very dull, mind is dull, at other moments is sharp, quick and... How does it happen? So, when we use the gifts of nature rightly, then we understand that we hold it all like a trust. But when we think it is mine, then, well, depending on the strength or weakness, it's not that divine will snatch it away. No, it's given to you for this life. Fair enough. For whatever reasons it is given to you. But depending on how you use it, your future will is going to be shaped. So that's where we have this wonderful prayer which teaches us something very profound. January 3rd, 1914. It is always good to look within ourselves from time to time and see that we are nothing. And can do nothing. When mother was asked that, you know, you say that man can have a direct access to supreme. They don't need the gods. We can go beyond the gods. But gods are so powerful. Man can do nothing. He said, yes, this was needed. 
he is put several times on the ground just to learn this lesson of humility. Because his mind has made him too arrogant. The day he learns the lesson, he will be greater than the gods. This is the main thing. One can do nothing. Imagine, you know, I am sure we have experienced situations in life. And there are so many wonderful stories of that. There are moments when people, not only paralyzed, bone broken, you want to do something, but you can't do. Nature has created a whole situation in front of you that you feel powerless and weak at every level. So she says, we are nothing. This idea that I am something or somebody is the great illusion we carry. Nature will not punish us for that. But we will stop our avenues of progress because we have limited ourselves, defined ourselves by a frame. That's why often people ask about... uh, you know, courses are taken, how much money is charged. So I keep telling people that you can't put a price tag on knowledge. By doing it, you are limiting. Similarly, when we say, I am doctor so and so, then what has happened? You have limited yourself to doctor. Already you are infinite, son, child of the Divine Mother. And I remember a, an experience, Some someone deeply politically connected told me that, you know, why don't you come, I'll make you meet so and so, big person, this governor, that minister. So I (laughs) was feeling amused. I said, why? Then it is good, I have direct access to them. I said, I have access to Jagannatha, world mother. (laughs) Why do you need to go to (laughs) governor and chief minister? The day you realize you are the divine mother's child and she walks with you, whom will you really need? Then whatever happens in your life, you know she is with you, wherever you may be, because she cannot abandon you. So there are experiences in life which teach us that we are nothing and can do nothing. But we must then turn our look towards thee. So what should we do when we realize we are powerless, helpless in the face of situations, circumstances? We can do nothing. What we should do? Some people break down. They blame God, first person, poor fellow. Often, other day somebody wrote a mail, Why mother did this to me? I said, my God, you never asked why all these things are happening in the creation. Now suddenly, in our own life when something happens, suddenly mother comes in. That is if she had no other business but to, you know, do this. (laughs) There is a whole hierarchy of forces behind. There is a whole destiny which is a complex web. It is not like mother is deciding... Like marionettes. It's not like a game of chess where the pawns have no say in the matter. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Evolution doesn't work like that. Anyways, so the thing is when we are faced with this situation, where we, I, she's advising us, look inside and realize it. If we don't, nature will make us realize. <laughs> Two ways. <laughs> One day nature will make us realize. You may be... Other day I was watching, you know, this short clip was circulating of one very famous old time hero. He's literally crying. He's saying, my son doesn't sit with me. Son is also a hero. Big man. Both. But he's crying. He was at one time among the top and gone. So you realize you are nothing. Look at recently the president of one of the countries who would have been become the best and you realize you are nothing. So instead of nature teaching us, she says, look within and know. (laughs) She is giving us a shorter route, safer route. 
You don't want to learn through the ignorant, painful school of nature. So what happens when you realize? Then, next step is, should it make us uh, feel horrible that, oh my God, I am nothing? No, she is giving us a higher law. But we must then turn our look towards thee, knowing that thou art all and that thou canst do all. We have to change, orient, reorient ourselves. That is what we see beautiful about these stories, you know, Ramayana, Hanuman and Angad. It's a beautiful uh, dialogue they have with Ravana. And Ravana tells him that, oh, you are that, uh, who are you all this? So Angad says, I know, my dad had once taken you around the world, tied to his tail. And at one point he tells him, he says that, you don't know where is the source of my power, my strength. My, because he puts his feet, he's a hat yogi. Hat yogin can do that. So they can't move his feet as the story goes. He says, in your whole assembly, if anybody can shake my feet, I am committing to you that my Lord Brahma, he will accept defeat. But they can't. Then finally he says, you know, you are trying to shake my feet. You, you know where the strength is coming from? <laughs> he says, it is coming from Rama. Don't touch my feet, go there and touch his feet. Now this is where the, these scriptures so beautifully explain to us. Through a story that we are nothing without the Lord. But the reverse truth is also true. With the Lord, everything is possible. So she says, Look towards thee, knowing that thou art all and that thou canst do all. There is nothing impossible for the Divine Mother. One, another very well-known sadhak, he once told in one of the talks very nicely, he is no more now. He said that you people think that you are worst cases. You have so many defects in nature, this, that. He says, you should tell rather the divine, if I am, whatever I am, you have healed many people, much worse. So, I am nobody, you can easily heal me. And if I am the worst case, then you are the best physician. <laughs> Either which way. And it is so true. In volume 2, she writes very beautifully. She says, uh, what value have your impulses, your defects and all these before the divine? She, she starts by that. And then the mother says, human beings make too much about themselves and they think that, you know, they are incurable, this, that. And then she says, you know why? And she gives a very strange reason that time when you look at it. She says, because there is a lack of faith in the grace. So you wonder where does grace come in? She says, because they think that they are so important that grace cannot cure them. <laughs> Before the grace, infinite ocean, a drop, wandering drop. And we make so, because we are so self-centered. So even our defects sound to us, it's a tamasik ego. Oh, I am full of defects. It's a tamasik ego. Rajasik ego, I am so, so much, so capable. But what are we before that grace? So you can do all. And if we have the faith, Mother says each moment life can change. And so she closes this prayer with something very beautiful. Thou art the life of our life and the light of our being. So we think my life, but if we connect our life to the divine, 
this Kain Upanishad, no, but going beyond because Kain Upanishad still stops at an impersonal state. It says that life, the Brahman is that life of our life. But mother is saying Tao. You see the difference? It's a conscious being. It's not just Brahman. She is going beyond Brahman to the Purushottamatra, divine. Divine mother. Thou art the life of our life, the light of our being. Thou art the master of our destiny. So this is the change we have to make. If we think, I am the master of my destiny, it is true in its own way. But if we take it that the divine is the master of our destiny and we hand over our destiny, each moment to the divine, doing our best, but always knowing that it's you. To you I have given. You will call the final shot. Then she will take charge. And then she will turn by her touch to the best, the worst. So this is what she is reminding us in this wonderful prayer. We will read again. January 3rd, 1914. It is always good to look within ourselves from time to time and see that we are nothing and can do nothing. But we must then turn our look towards Thee, knowing that Thou art all and that Thou canst do all. Thou art the life of our life and the light of our being. Thou art the master of our destiny. This relation we have to form with the divine. It's not like one day suddenly read a prayer and say, Oh, yes, yes, change everything in me, my family. That is a... Even then, I have seen that the divine protects. What could have been much worse is mitigated and mellowed down. And sometimes you have to remind the person, Do you know what could have happened? It's only because of one person's steadfast faith in the divine that things take a certain shape. So we should hand over our destiny to the divine and it doesn't mean that we should say I am nothing and therefore do nothing. Even while we are doing, we must know that we are nothing and it is the divine who does whatever happens through us and we know nothing, it is through his light that we, something within us gets illumined. So once we know that all is he, all he loves, all is he moves, all are his, all is he, then life flows beautifully and uh, he takes care of our destiny. But we have to do this act. This is the spontaneous and glad surrender. It cannot work like that, that all our life we do things with the state of the ego and one day we say, why did the divine do this to us? Sometimes I ask this question also. When people say, why did somebody? I said, all your life, did you live with this idea that it is the divine who is doing it? When laurels were coming your way, you were very happy to, it's me. So maybe it is his way of reminding you that it's not you. So we are compelled to offer. And the moment he takes charge of our destiny, then things are different. Mother says, our destiny can completely change. We have to allow this higher determinism. But then she will follow her own way. We cannot judge or try to... That also, Shobindo cautions us that the divine ways are very different from the human. He will not deal it like a straight line. We human beings want destiny to be our way. But we want the divine 
in our life so that we can live it our way. It doesn't work like that. If the divine comes, it will be his way. We can't tell him that it will be my way, but you give me your power to do it my way. When he takes charge of the destiny, he does it his way. But what he does is infinitely more beautiful, complete, perfect than what we could have ever imagined. Namaste.